And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the latest edition of The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined as always by my colleague, Stuart Mandel. Stu, you just got back from a week in Hawaii. Uh, I got back from a week out at the Elite 11 slash the opening. Is uh, Feels like we are... Which one of us won that one? <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like you're going to be probably more rested and ready. Um, I'm excited because uh, later this week, I'm actually flying down to Dallas to get ready for Big 12 Media Days and going to hit the road. So I feel like college football run-up is officially here. Usually, yeah, I mean, I usually feel like after 4th of July, that the 4th of July is kind of the turning point, um, or maybe it's media days in a couple of weeks. But, I, you know, I do think we're close to the time of the year when we start talking season preview. I don't think this week is that week. Um, so couple, so so for the most part, when I'm in Hawaii or, or wherever on vacation, I try to keep, keep the phone, stay off Twitter um, as much as I can. But I got to say... And, and one of the benefits of Hawaii time, right, is things that are late, late at night uh, are not late at night there. At midnight on July 1st, which was 6 p.m. June 30th in Hawaii, I couldn't help myself. I wanted to see how this NIL thing was going to shake out. Uh, we've been talking about it for two years. But I wanted to see, like, OK, what what's this going to look like? And sure enough, 1201, we start seeing the tweets. Dear King, $20,000 uh sponsorship deal um some auburn players some lsu players and uh you know i didn't i didn't know exactly what it was gonna look like but something something like this have the, um what what has stood out to you so far any surprises um you know obviously as we're taping this there was the deal with uh american top team which is a prominent mma training center that is based in south florida and the head of it is a golden cane, which is, you know essentially makes him a booster. And so to basically fund every scholarship player on the roster, that is a, that is a significant investment. And so while you're away, I worked on a story where I had talked to some administrators and some coaches, especially one um, who kind of walked me through some of the things that he thought were, were about to happen. Um, and this was basically on the eve of of NIL becoming official. And it was fascinating to kind of go through some of these things. And I thought what has been missed, and I, I kind of feel like this is something that, for whatever reason, I think people just assume that this was going to be uh, ironed out really tight with, with guardrails and different things. And it wasn't going to be as patchwork as it is. And, you know, in the days leading up to it, especially the day before, you kind of would see 
how much gray area was there and where it's going. And I want to kind of touch on a couple of things that were in, in the story uh, that's up on The Athletic now. And this to me is significant because it's very state from state. In the California state bill, the word, quote, booster isn't even mentioned. There's also nothing prohibiting categories. So if universities do something that might interfere with an athlete's ability to earn compensation as a result of using NIL, the school might be subjecting themselves to potential litigations. This is the, this is the money quote, so to speak, in California. A post-secondary educational institution shall not uphold any rule, requirement, standard, or other limitation that prevents a student from of that institution participating in intercollegiate athletics from earning compensation as a result of the use of the student's name, image, and likeness, or athletic reputation. That is significant, Stu, um, to the point where if you are, and this was broached to me by uh, the coach I talked to was, you will see players who can do shoe deals, apparel deals with companies that their school does not do a deal with. You could be at a Nike school and do a significant deal with Adidas. Now, can you wear Adidas during the games? That is up to that is going to be up to debate and could potentially be up to lawsuit. But can you can you post pictures and do things with with Adidas gear on your social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever? Yes, that is a likely. And so I think that aspect of it is big and then again, another one that kind of to me fit in the category of the money quote uh, on this as it relates to the booster component. This is a quote. Well, now it's put up or shut up time. Boosters are allowed to pay people. If you don't want them to leave the neighborhood, hire them. Don't complain. You had a chance to land them, end quote. Um, That time is here. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, before it was wink, wink. And now it's, it's not entirely over the table in terms of there will be contracts written directly as such but who's to say what money will be handed down it may be five grand it may be 50 grand it may be 100 grand depending on you know who's to say what the right fair market value is okay so i have a lot of thoughts on this um you know i've been saying all along i think that the booster fears are are way overstated um you know, you saw in the first few days after this, it was always going to be, to me, it was always going to be about social media and companies getting college athletes to um, tweet about them, Instagram, you know, mention them on Instagram, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we saw a lot of that. Um, these are not the kind of, comp- for the most part, not the kind of companies that normally get involved in college athletics. Although there was an Arkansas receiver who got to deal with PetSmart, which I was surprised by because that's a big national chain. Um, you know, there was a, app that I didn't, I have to admit, I'd never heard of an app called Yoke It is a gaming app. And I thought this was a pretty smart play by them. Uh, it's a gaming app where you can pay to play Fortnite against your favorite player. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, the Notre Dame All-American Safety was on there the, the night I checked it out. Um, and, and so that's something that college athletes are doing anyway. They, they're, they're gamers and that's an easy way for them to make some money. I assume they, sh- you know, the, the app takes their cut of it, uh, with boosters. I mean, first of all, uh, and then you could argue this is impossible to enforce, but you still can't, you know, Joe, Joe booster still cannot like cut a check to a kid, right? Businesses, 
that are run by boosters can. And so there's always been this fear that, you know, Tuscaloosa car dealership is just going to give every Alabama recruit a $25,000 endorsement deal. Okay, sure. But I would question how long that company, if that's the way that company is going to run, how long they're going to stay in business because you're not going to get a return on that money. Um, Stu, let me put it to you this way and a different way. And uh, so, uh, Andy state, I went on Andy's podcast and mm -hmm. it went, we went down a weird rabbit hole that really, you sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I, not, I, we don't I have to go it. all the way down the rabbit <laughs> hole, but like, so we got to talking about cameo. We started doing, I started doing, uh, doing searches on cameo, which I think most people know what cameo is by now. And Spencer Rattler, who at the time was out here in Southern California as a counselor at the Elite 11, has been doing deals like Ari Gold out here with, with his agency. And <laughs> I've noticed he's, uh, he's pretty active. He's pretty active, and credit to him. He has probably a very cool uh, logo that they created. Um, but he popped up on Cameo almost right when, when I was searching. And think about it this way. If you charge, because you can charge whatever, if you charge $1,000 for... Um, to say happy birthday or to do some kind of appearance, that register can ring pretty fast, right? And it's not, it's how do you, how are you getting money to people? I think is the, the part I think a lot, a lot of people are getting hung up on, right? And so, yes, if it's a business, they can do it forward facing like that. But when it starts to be like, okay, players can earn money on Cameo, that's not a business. I mean, Cameo is a business. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that. No, like, there's. Cameo's I'm not, not saying there's nothing help. wrong with that. I'm saying now you can get direct money and it's above board. So let's say you're Stu Mandel. We know you like Northwestern. You want to pay Hunter Johnson or whatever. I'm not saying Hunter Johnson's on Cameo, but let's say you wanted to pay some athlete. You can directly do this under the guise of that. I see what you're saying. You're saying a booster could just beef up somebody's cameo account. Yes, it doesn't. Have, I mean, there's been all sorts of ways you hear on the recruiting front, whether it's poker chips, online poker games. I mean, you start hearing stuff paid in cryptocurrency, all these other things that you hear about now. There's just, and this is the point that I feel like you might be missing. There are way more above board avenues now for, um, just think about it this way. Right now, you or I in the media probably have a pipeline to communicate with athletes that we didn't before because everyone's DMs are open, right? Yep. So now there's way more accessibility into that. That is uh, kind of the point of this that I feel like some people just have not kind of, I think they're looking at it this way. And again, I, I think if, you, if you're kind of stuck in the mind of, okay, you know, again, this was a part of the of the column I did the other day. It is going to be almost impossible to enforce a lot of this. People cannot keep track. It is so, so, so much patchwork going on that, um, you know, it's it's completely different landscape now. And that is completely the NCAA's fault. Okay, Stu, back to the podcast in a second. But now a word from our sponsor, LinkedIn talent solutions. When you are hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a jobs board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else 
even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash audible. That's linkedin.com slash audible to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This did not pop up overnight, the NIL issue. Ed O'Bannon filed his lawsuit that kind of touched off this movement in 2009, 12 years ago. The decision came down in 2014, seven years ago. And yet it wasn't until 2019, and this was really once California um, and some other states, but California was first, started you know, being serious about passing state laws allowing this, that they finally formed a working group. Gene Smith, the Ohio State ID, was the chair of it. And that working group studied it and came up with a proposal. And at the end of the day, they never passed that. Like that proposal had you know, the quote unquote guardrails about fair market value and you can't do this and you can't do that. And they never, they never passed it. Mark Emmert couldn't get people to, I think, you know, remember we had Bubba Cunningham on the, on the, on the podcast, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so. And he came on here basically to make the case against NIL. And I remember you and I being like, this ship has sailed. Like, why is he coming on to talk about this now? They should be you know, forget whether you're, whether you support it or not, you have to do it. <laughs> there are states passing laws. So shouldn't you be in the solution phase by now? Like um, one of the things that I heard from in working on this story, one of the administrators I talked to made the point, the NCAA had its head in the sand for so long. And a couple of factors that, that really steered public opinion significantly. There were two, this person pointed out, and there's a third I would, I would make the case for. The first one was, humongous TV contracts that people see billions of dollars, you know, here and there. The other one is the skyrocketing coaching salaries when people see that. So they're going to see like a level of hypocrisy on two levels. And the third part of it, I think now is the players have a voice that they didn't have before that really escalated with social media. Before it was like they just... The, now, you know, we can talk about a hot mic, but it's always on for them. And I think that that coupled with people seeing how much money 
some of these coaches, most of these coaches are making that how much money the 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 schools are making off of them through the TV deals. I think all those things happened, and the NCA had its head in the sand, didn't do anything about it. They basically, um, you know, as somebody explained to me, they basically waited until about six hours before and put out a one-page document on uh, right six. I guess it's six hours and thirty minutes before it was going to become official on what is the most uh, significant change in college athletics in in decades. Crazy. The way I thought of it is the NCAA is like a parent that, you know, for, for most of the day was like very vigilant about screen time and eat your vegetables and da 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 And then by the end of the day, they're so exhausted. They were just like, do whatever you want, kid. Um, that's basically what that memo was. They basically sent a memo at the 11th hour that said, this is happening. We can't stop it. And we couldn't get everybody to agree on any rules. So basically, here's the deal. In the states that have a, a bill going in, a law going into effect, follow the follow the law. In the other states, figure it out for yourselves. <laughs> come up with your you know come up with your own guidelines, whatever you think is appropriate. The only rules against it, you know, the only set rules are no pay for play, which, as you've noted, is going to be impossible to enforce. And uh, they can have an agent for NIL deals, but uh, not to like be their NFL agent, which again. How are you going to differentiate that? So it's wild, wild west. Uh, after in our lifetimes, right? We all we've ever known is an NCA model where you know if you somebody bought you dinner, you could be ineligible for a game. And now this, you know, the cash registers are open. And what's interesting to me is I don't really see anybody. I don't want to say anybody. I'm sure there are people listening who who have strong feelings about this, but it's kind of like it happened. On, on July 1st, they started getting these and, and like, there wasn't some huge reaction to it. It just kind of happened. And what, te- what it tells me is for all of the millions and millions of dollars the NCAA spent fighting this under the premise that it was going to be the end of college sports as we know it, I don't think it really affects the average fan at all. You know, just tell me that's fine. D.R. King wants to do an endorsement deal. Okay, Spencer Rattler, whatever. Just tell me you know, which recruits are we getting? Uh, who's our starting quarterback going to be? What's our schedule look like? Like, none of that is affected. Why would it affect- the on-field product is not affected. So why would it affect them? Like, I, I don't quite understand what the, like, did you think that there was going to be a Jay Mariotti column that was going to get people so riled up they would have said, I am boycotting sports? Like, what? I, I'm, I'm asking. I'm not trying to be condescending, but what, what? I don't know. I'm saying that there's been a, just a fundamental shift over the years. I mean... I'm old enough to remember, I mean, people have been pointing out on Twitter today and it's a great point, right? So this booster, this, like you mentioned, this guy who owns a MMA chain in Miami announced he's going to give every Miami scholarship player up to $6,000 a year to endorse American top team. Is that not the same exact thing that Nevin Shapiro basically did? I know it was more seedy, but he was a booster who gave money to players and other benefits, obviously. And, well, there were some, there were much, so there were some shadier aspects. I believe Nevin Shapiro paid for a, a, an abortion, among other things. But it's in the end of the day, it's a booster giving money to players. And Miami got in big trouble for that a decade ago. And I can remember going on TV shows and people asking me, "Are they going to get the death penalty?" It was very still seen. Boosters giving money was still seen as very much like a villainous thing, right? Think about 
when Miami, you know, when a well, think about Al, think about Albert Means, and this was a yes. player who was basically a recruit who was bought for six figures. And there are plenty of stories. There are stories now that happen, just even in the last couple of days, where you hear rumblings of, oh, they paid X to get this defensive lineman or whatnot. There, so just there was a fundamental, and, and the media was a, played a central part in it, uh, framing of a player getting money, a player getting money from an agent, a player, you know, anything. I'm not even talking about Albert Means two hundred thousand dollars. I'm talking anything that would AJ Green getting you know a fairly modest amount of money to sell his jersey and he got suspended for four games. Um, that that was like a bad thing. That, that this player did something fundamentally morally wrong. That they're cheating. I think I and think now it's legal, and I don't get the sense people think it's like anything that that big. I've argued for a while, and this is years that sports media as as well as a lot of college football fans redefined what the word scandal meant to them the word scandal yes. was some player or somebody getting caught aha the NCAA's police caught them on something that's seemingly often very petty somebody got a, somebody got a lunch somebody got a dinner somebody got taken out or whatever or got extra gear and the and then Jerry Sandusky and Penn State happened and there were real victims to it. And you heard stories. You heard stories, you know, scandal, the Michigan State Larry Nasser, scandal, Baylor. scandal, Baylor, scandal, Ohio, you know, the Ohio State wrestling thing. Now, it's like these things really, you know, where there are victims, I think it, it goes into a different place. And I just think, to me, it's really started with Penn State and that story because I just think it made people, look, I mean, I'm old enough to remember in the late 80s, there was a very uh, crafted image of good guys against the bad guys. And the Miami players, because supposedly they were getting things that other players weren't getting for the Fiesta Bowl because they wore the black hat and kind of embraced that role, were the bad guys. And Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky's program were the good guys uh, in that Fiesta Bowl. That was how that was framed. Um, so I think think about Florida State Free Shoes University like that was wasn't that on the cover of SI or there's a picture of the players in a uh, or am I mixing up my team no. UNLV the players in the hot tub with, with the you know like it was it's just fundamentally changed I agree with you about Sandusky being the, the line in the sand I agree with you that when, when coaches started making I don't know what the magic number was when people started to get turned off 5 million 6 million a year um, that it's it just became fundamentally ridiculous that an athlete couldn't make, you know, he couldn't make five hundred dollars. The other thing I would say has changed is social media. Um, when you see, do you do you go on TikTok at all? I have been on it. I do not go on it though. I've dabbled in it. It seems to me that TikTok is for the most part, like eighty percent of TikTok content is young, attractive people doing choreographed dances. I don't know why people love that so much, but they do. And so the idea that like pretty much any student, right, at University of Alabama can do that, can go on TikTok, and if they get a big enough following, uh, can turn that into a monetized opportunity, can get sponsored deals and stuff. But the Alabama football players can't. Um, Now that has changed. And I just think for the most part, people think that's harmless. Now. 
if it does get into if and we'll see what happens if it does get into like nil becomes used as a means to buy recruits um that will not be viewed well certainly people will be accusing their rivals of doing that etc cetera, etc cetera. but they're accusing them of that already so yeah i'm of the andy staples school that like this is already happening under the table um we're not going to see a scenario where suddenly x school out there that's not like alabama clemson ohio state texas a&m they're still going to get the recruits nil or not they're still going to get the best recruits some you know, um, Iowa State is not going to get some rogue booster who starts, you know, buying five-star recruits. This Miami story today is interesting to me. So this guy, let's see, what's his name? Dan Lambert is offering each of the 90 existing Miami scholarship players $500 a month contract up to 6000 a year to endorse American top team. And he's doing it because he's a huge, like you said, rabid Miami. Well, he's a gold, he's, a gold, he's a, officially a golden cane, which has a significant threshold. Also, by the way, uh, Dan Lambert, like just for people who don't follow MMA, American Top Team is a huge organization. It is not like just, you know, the local pizza parlor or whatever down there. Like they have a lot of the top fighters in the world, MMA fighters, have come through the doors there. So, and also, um, there's a former Miami player, defensive lineman who briefly played for the Dolphins before had a uh, had to have a. I think his arm was amputated. Kendrick Norton, who is a VP now there, and is also part of this. So, I think there are some layers to this that make it especially interesting as as some of the details come out. So, the deal is being administered by a mark, new marketing company called Bring Back the U which was created by Lambert, who is, so basically he, his motivation here isn't necessarily for his own business. It's he wants Miami to get good at football again, right? Mm -hmm. So what I would ask you is like, I, this is great for the players. Like what college pl student would not want an extra $6,000 a year? And I don't know what endorsing at me, I guess, you know, mention it on your social media account. I mean, this is great for them. Do you think Miami is going to get a single recruit that they wouldn't have already gotten? because of this I don't like I don't know I think the 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 reality on this too is I think more visibility more um you know you don't know where the next step of this is that's the point right you know the fact that that um a third team offensive tackle is getting six grand I think is not going to change whether he goes to Miami or he goes to Louisville necessarily but I think it's where it goes from here is telling and that's gonna we'll see what what the next threshold of this is like they can tell a recruit if this ends up being a sustainable thing i have my doubts uh they'll be able to the coaches will be able to tell recruits hey come here and there's a there's a guy here who will hook you up with six thousand dollars a year right is that really going to weigh outweigh which school is going to get me the nfl which school is gonna, am i going to be able to go to the playoff which school has the coaching staff i like the best i have my doubts no, and I think, but the question is, then does it go, like, I think because this is uniform, it's different than, hey, if we're going to pay 50 grand to, if you be, if you lead the team in tackles, if you do this, this will be the benefit of it. It starts getting into a slipperier slope, right? And um, right. I think that's the part that is different because then that is, people are going to see that as real money. Um you know, there's, I mean, Stu, there's a lot of times stuff happens where 
I think you're talking. You're looking at it from a prism of a guy in his forties. There are some times where somebody may get tempted because a school decides they're going to offer the kid's brother a scholarship, and yep. nobody else will. Uh, but that happens now. I know, but I'm saying like that. What you just said about you know who's going to get me to the, who's going to get, help get me to the NFL, who's going to the staff I like. A lot of the enticements end up. You know, the, the things that, you know, like, there are guys who pick schools for jersey numbers. You know, right. you're, you're th- like, I'm not th- I'm not saying you're wrong, but I think you're missing some of the... Yeah, aspect. there's outliers. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, it's not even just outliers. I think you're just missing the aspect of sometimes what, what, it, what, what clicks for a 17 or, or an 18-year-old. Right. So, that's it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, switching gears here, Bruce, I, I want to get um, some intel from you. You were at Elite 11, uh, which was held this past week, actually in your backyard in Manhattan Beach. You got to see all of the top quarterback recruits in the country as well as some of the top college quarterbacks who are counselors. So um, what do you think, what stood out to you the most? What are some of the most important storylines? It was nice to, to do that. Um, it was the first time I've ever gone less than 10 minutes away from my house and was able to you know, go to the field that my son plays games on. So that was very, very interesting to be a part of it. Ari Wasserman was there with you, obviously, as our recruiting guru. Mm-hmm. And he wrote about uh, Quinn Ewers, the... Um, five-star quarterback from Texas who's going to Ohio State and how he's the first he's he's a he's a 24-7 composite ranking perfect score 1,000 score not even Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields could get that I did not realize that the formula is basically just there are three services and if they each rank the guy number one then he's a thousand okay but anyway that's 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 what the situation is and that brings with it obviously huge expectations and in if he's really that, you would expect he would go to this camp full of the best quarterback recruits in the country and dominate it, and that's not what happened. 
No, um, there were moments where you saw it. It's like he definitely has a pretty, uh, you know, an arm that is a wow arm. I think there was probably if you had if Zach Wilson had a mullet <laughs> and, and dyed it <laughs> blonde, maybe there'd be moments. I mean, different body types, but where he can do a lot of crazy off-platform throws. His, throws a really tight ball um so all those things kind of you notice but at the same time there definitely looked like he was a little going through the motions um you know I, I think it's tough to read too much I caution people to read including myself to read too much into what guys look like in seven on tournaments especially when they're not their own receivers you know I don't think like there were other guys who were sharper, honestly, for the for the extent of the week. Um, if you just based on what I remember of Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, who were in the same class and the, the same event, a little you know everything is a little different year to year. But if I wouldn't have thought, and again, I have not spent a ton of time watching his film playing at a, an incredibly high level of competition in Texas. But I wouldn't have thought, okay, this guy's more of a sure thing than Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields were coming out of high school. So having said that, and I ended up talking to his high school coach, Riley Dodge, a little bit, who I knew years ago, um, who's a former A&M Texas assistant. And, you know, he talked about how good of an athlete he was, that he, if he wanted to, he could have been a college basketball player. And he said he is very competitive. I guess some people wonder just because of his demeanor. You know how much of that he said no he's a really he is a, a really elite competitor um i think ryan day's uh temperament should help him because as you said the expectations on him at least from the recruiting right you know the recruiting sites is sky high um i don't know if the people who you know some of the college coaches i think and even the elite 11 staff i think is probably a little more measured on him than maybe you know, as you point out, I think it's like put this into context too. This recruiting class now, the 2021 as well as the 2022 class that yours is part of, I think the evaluations are going to be the hardest because people haven't seen them in person hardly at all. And so take it with a grain of salt. My guess is things will kind of um, not, you know, things will probably be a little tempered you know, before too long, I think. So if he, if, so that's the scouting report on him, but who impressed you the most? Uh, a couple of guys. So Clemson has, again, another really impressive yeah. young quarterback in the pipeline, Cade Klubnick, also a, a, uh, a Texas quarterback. I thought what I liked about him was you kept noticing him and that's kind of over four days. He's not, there were more impressive physical specimens there like he did everything really well I liked there were there were two quarterbacks especially that I thought really kind of rose to the moment whenever like all eyes were on them that included the pro day um, uh, event on Thursday night which was you know long and could be meandering but I thought Devin Brown who was a guy who was not even in the top 20 um, ranked quarterbacks in this class among 247 I'd be shocked if his stock doesn't jump up after that from the recruiting sites. I mean, he looked terrific. He's a quarterback who is from Arizona, but will be playing, I think, this fall in Utah. I mean, look, you know, Clay Helton 
gets a lot of knocks, including from this podcast at times. But I, he does deserve credit for um, he does does deserve credit for uh, finding quarterbacks maybe and jumping on them before other people do. He was that way with Sam Darnold, and he's certainly that day, that way with Keaton Slovis. And I think he is here. I mean, to me, Devin Brown's stock is going to jump. I thought I was really impressed with him. Um, those those two guys really caught my eye. Now there was a few other ones. I like. I was intrigued by Taven Jackson, who's a great all-around athlete. He's a uh, really talented basketball player. I heard he's a scratch golfer. He's from Indiana, who's committed to Tennessee. Uh, he wasn't. You know, none of the quarterbacks were like were like perfect and everything. But I just thought he's one. Again, he was ranked like I want to say like twenty third or twenty fourth in the country among quarterbacks. He's one I would keep an eye on, and then. The one to me who's the most intriguing of the group is Malik Murphy. Uh, Our colleague Antonio Morales did a good story on him a while back. Malik is huge. He's every bit of 6'5", probably 230, and he looks like he's almost, he could be even bigger than that. Um, And he's young. He's one of the youngest quarterbacks who was there. He has hardly, has not played a lot of football in games, in part because of the pandemic. Um... He's got a big arm. I liked how he carried himself. I liked how, you know, a lot of times at this event when kids struggle in the seven-on-seven, you overhear them talking to some coaches and they're making excuses or blaming this or or whatever. He wasn't that way. Um, He's committed to to Steve Sarkeesian in Texas. And especially given the Quinn Ewers factor in this, that Quinn Ewers is from Texas and going to Ohio State, that will be an interesting dynamic. I think there are people who are, when I say... He's a polarizing subject. I don't mean because people don't like him personally. I think it's more because people are like, well, if you look at his game film, how is he almost a five-star based on what he's done and throwing interceptions and everything? And then I think if people are looking about what they think he can become, because you see the arm, you see kind of the demeanor. I mean, he's got a big, engaging personality. He's a bright kid. I think there's a lot to like there, and he's going to be a – it's going to be a fascinating project for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Well, of all the guys you mentioned, um, I'm just relieved that Clemson's finally going to get an elite quarterback. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's, it's, if that were, if he is that good and it works out, like they basically have like almost a decade of, um, you know, you had Trevor Lawrence for three years, then DJ will become whoa, a quarterback whoa, whoa, whoa. this year. You're forgetting Deshaun Watson who led them to the first national title. Okay, let's go back even further then. And you're forgetting you're, we're forgetting our guy Taj Boyd, who was really the first big name quarterback. Not the first big name. I mean, they had Willie Korn, who was. A big I, big I know. Player. I'm thinking more of this this national title type. I mean, there was one a one. Taj Boyd had Taj Boyd was the guy who had to get them to the first step. Yeah. No, he was. Believe me, a very important player for them. I I agree. I'm thinking. I guess I was thinking more of the succession they mm-hmm. have going on right now, from going straight from Trevor Lawrence to DJ who will probably be their quarterback for the next two years. And then the, this kid will come in, sit for a year and take over for him. So, um, now you're forgetting uh, Hunter Johnson, who I think, you know, a little bit of something. He was once a five-star quarterback. So he was pre Trevor Lawrence, um, before that. Yeah. I believe he transferred out once Trevor got on the scene. Um, so I want to real quick, get circle back to Ohio state we're mostly focused on the 2022 class already, but there was one elite 2021 kid who, you know, 
to his credit, like he waited out the dead period. He said, I'm going to see these schools in person before I actually decide. Um, that is a defense, five-star defensive end from Washington, JT Tui Malowau. And he was expected to pick Ohio State. He did pick Ohio State. Um, that gives Ohio State two five-star D linemen in this one class. I bring this all up to say when Urban Meyer took over Ohio State, it was seen, you know, everybody knew what a great recruiter he was and how he, um, not that Jim Trestle was a bad recruiter. He certainly recruited a lot of guys who went on to play in the NFL, uh, but Urban took it to another level. And we thought that was because, you know, he's one of the best recruiters there ever was. But it seems to me that Ryan Day has taken it up even another level these past couple of classes in terms of how they're recruiting. Why do you think, what, what do you think is the, the, I know that, you know, going to the playoff all the time, like there's some pretty obvious on-field reasons, but why is Ryan Day an even better recruiter than Urban Meyer? Uh, you know, I think that's a good question. I think he's got two things. One thing Urban Meyer had, one thing I really don't think Urban really had much of. And right now the two best recruiters on his staff, Larry Johnson, who's a big part of JT's decision, he has a hell of a track record of develop, developing defensive linemen. I think people, just having been around Larry Johnson a bunch, um, his demeanor and the the care that you can see that he has and the relationships he has with his defensive linemen, and he's got a track record. I mean, never mind just Chase Young and the Boses. It goes way back before that, right? But then the other part of this, and this is one that Urban Meyer had a little bit because he was deserves credit for bringing... Brian Hartline into his program, but Brian Hartline has been a phenomenal uh, assistant coach. I don't want to just say, like both these guys, it's unfair to just say they're great recruiters because I think part of what makes them great recruiters is because they're great position coaches and they've shown that they know how to develop players. And I think Brian Hartline has been such a big addition for them. And here's what to me um, really is kind of a the the big part of this and I went back and counted this up just since 2018 and just since 2018 by the way is you know it's a, it's kind of the brink of the end of Urban's time there they Tui Maloal becomes the 12th five-star recruit Ohio State has landed from outside the Big Ten footprint not 12th in general so I'm talking about like states that don't have a Big Ten school so they are cleaning up in the Pacific Northwest, especially, you know, what we've seen them do in the state of Washington, you know, G. Scott was one. This is the third five-star that they've gotten from that state alone. They've done big damage in Texas um, as well as in the in Georgia. So I think those areas especially, you know, Ryan Day has been really, really good in what they're doing. And I think... Um, so I, I think that's something, by the way, just on JT that I think is worth noting, Brandon Huffman, who we had, we've had on the podcast a few times on the Audible, is a longtime uh, recruiting analyst and it works for 247. I think I respect Brandon as probably as much as I respect anybody in that field. He has said JT is probably the best player he's seen, or the most impactful player he's seen from that state in two decades. That is a big statement because it's like we're talking about the state of Washington has some good players, has some really good players coming out of there. So, um, you know, I don't think 
you know, you couple him with Jack Sawyer, who's another big time young edge rusher, and Ohio State, which wasn't great on the defensive line for a change last year. They were good, but not great. They're probably going to be great pretty soon again. Well, so that's great news for Ohio State, but not so much for the home state school. Um, Jimmy Lake takes over for Chris Peterson. He's known as a defensive guru. Um, and this kid decided to fly to, or to, to relocate to Columbus, Ohio. It's yet another example. I wrote about this at length uh, in April um, of, of the Pac-12 schools being unable to keep these elite kids on the West Coast. And even if he wasn't going to pick Washington, he didn't pick Oregon. He didn't pick USC. He picked Ohio State. And, you know, I guess the question is, what's it going to take for them to break that cycle? Is it just some teams making the playoff? Will the fact that they're going to expand and that you won't have to, you know, finishing as Pac-12 champion will get you in the playoff? Or are we just at a point where Ohio State, Alabama are, are just Clemson? They're so good at, they have such a track record now, turning guys into NFL multimillionaires that the Pac-12 is just going to be at a big disadvantage there. I think they're at a disadvantage. I don't want to overstate it just because, I mean, Oregon has, you know, beat everybody for Justin Flo. They beat everybody for Kayvon Thibodeau. They beat everybody for Noah Sewell. Um, USC beat everybody for Corey Foreman. It's not like all, like the majority of the best players in the Pac-12 footprint are still staying out there. But they do not have a monopoly the way maybe they. I don't want to say they always did because there were. There's always been really good players who have left uh, California to go someplace else. You know, I remembered this. You know, back in the right before Pete Carroll got rolling, USC was losing really good players from their own backyard. So it's not. It's not a new phenomenon. I just think that there's been more of them have left. And I, I think some of it has to go to the fact that we pay way more attention to recruiting now than we did 20 years ago as a as a media brand or whatever, just because for all sorts of reasons, social media makes it's just more connectivity and everything like that. But if you you mentioned Washington, I mean, this is the third big big time player that Ohio State has gotten out of there, third five star guy in the last two years. That is. Um, it's not. It's obviously not good for Oregon because you're going to play Ohio State this year. It's not good. You know, USC. They obviously want everybody they can get. I think the one that sting the most is that it's happening right in. I mean, like Oregon got a commitment. I think five minutes or ten minutes before of a five star offensive lineman from Texas, right before JT committed. So it's not like something's not working here. It's just I think that's you know in in total I think you know. It, it's it doesn't help the narrative. Let's put it that way, though. It's a missed opportunity for Washington. Yes, I would agree. There are actually three kids in the, in the two four seven top eleven from the state of Washington this year. Sam Heward is one of them, the quarterback, legacy kid. He did go to Washington. The other two went to Ohio State. And often, when when an often like this is the period Jimmy Lake taking over as a new coach. Last year is kind of a lost year, but first you know first chance, first full cycle that's when excitement for the in the state for the hometown program should be the highest. Um, you know, I think that it's a missed opportunity and we'll see what, what the longer term impact is, but um, kudos to Ohio state for being able to, like you said, and they're not the only ones we, you know, I thought, 
Max Olson did a fantastic kind of data-driven story not long ago about um, just how much more national recruiting is now than it was a decade or two ago. Um, and you can read that story on The Athletic. And if you're not a subscriber yet, theathletic.com slash the audible uh, will get you a discounted subscription. Um, you know, I think that's like you said, then with social media, um, just the fact that you can go do a Zoom virtual visit, um, guys are, are more open to leaving home or even going across country to play college football. But um, right now that is benefiting a small, small handful of programs. I think that there's some hope and we'll see that an expanded playoff with access for everybody. It's not going to cause Alabama's recruiting class to, to deteriorate by any means, but that maybe a, a JT here, a kid here, a kid there stays home that might not have otherwise. I mean, I would, I would just as a, for context, of the top eight players, according to 247, I'm just looking this up now, in California from last year's class, um, six of them you know, stayed in state, or not necessarily stayed in the Pac-12. Like there's a kid who went to Utah, um, and another, Troy Franklin, who's a stud receiver, went to Oregon. But the rest of them stayed, stayed, stayed in the Pac-12 footprint. You know, so it's, I think... You know, it's not always so absolute. Obviously, I think this is a credit to Ohio State, but um, I don't know if it's the, the sky is falling is probably the, the exact right way to frame it either. Okay, so we're out of time for today. We haven't done the mailbag in a few weeks, and so I want to send out a little call to action here. We have gotten questions. I apologize that we didn't get to them, but they all kind of fell under the same, you know, everybody's asking about, NIL 12 team playoff. We want to start talking 2021 football here soon. It is not soon. We want to start talking about it. We want to talk about it now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and media days are coming up. So send your question about a team, whatever, something about this coming season to the audible pod at gmail.com. And we'll use that as a jumping off point next week to really start our, our hopefully two month deep dive season preview type content. Uh, about the coming season because we know you guys want to hear that we want to talk about it we promise we won't talk about nil much more if we if we can help ourselves we know it's not the sexiest topic so as always again send your questions to the audible pod at gmail.com we'll see you next time (music) 